it's great to be together today, and we're excited to be closing out the series here on the seven people to help you get to heaven. And we're not to heaven yet, but hopefully you're getting more and more people in your life that are helping you out and people that you are helping as well. And uh, we have one more person that we need to help at some point here, and it's Hazel Florence May. Uh, you know, <clears throat> she is the, uh, the latest gift from God here in our church family, although it's in, uh, in Riverside there, but she's, they're part of our church family too. And this is the, uh, the baby of the other Jake. Okay, the original Jake. Uh, <clears throat> and hopefully, prayerfully, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll be able to present the picture of the baby from the, the current Jake. His wife of the current Jake, actually. Uh, that would be pretty amazing. But what a cute uh, baby. Kelly is just on cloud nine. Uh, if you have fellowshiped with her, how many people did she already show the picture to? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, God celebrates you just as much. Amen. Think about that. Think about that. Uh, we had an amazing time with our uh, family group leaders today. Uh, let's give it up for all of our family group leaders and all the people that helped in the Sunday service. We had all the people that helped in the Sunday service, Kids Kingdom, audio, ushering, website, everything. I probably didn't say everything, but it was just we appreciate everyone who gives and that God has put it on your heart to continue to give. Uh, my continued encouragement is if you're not happy, give. And God will bless you and he'll bring uh, joy into your life there because that's how we were created to be. So thank you for all who serve in that way, uh, really on the front lines uh, here in our church. So uh, we're super grateful for you. Uh, as we said earlier today, there's no place we'd rather be. So it's good to, good to be here. Why don't we say a prayer and then uh, we're going to start off uh, with the service sermon. Uh, Father, we do thank you that you have given us. Uh, so many blessings, so many gifts from above. God, thank you for um, baby Hazel that was born. Uh, God, I pray that we can uh, celebrate with those who celebrate with, amongst us. I pray that in the next uh, few minutes that you use me, God, to open, open up our hearts, that we can see you in a greater way, God, that we can fall in love with you, that we can uh, be changed by your word. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you think of a soulmate, there's probably a lot of things that come to your mind. I think about somebody who's one in spirit with you, that you're deeply connected, somebody who loves you with deep emotion, and someone that knows you as even you know yourself, and sometimes someone that knows you even better than you know yourself, because it's hard to see yourself sometimes, but you have those special friends, special people uh, you know, we, we saw the video from DT Heart and Soul, which is a, an online uh, connection uh, dating service, I guess you would call it, within our fellowship of churches. And it's amazing to see over 50 couples come together in the last 10 years and really find someone to spend this life with. And for some of you, maybe this is your year to really put yourself out there again. And open yourself up. You know, I don't know if that is the uh, way to do it for you. Uh, but that's not really what we're going to be talking about today. 
We have soulmates. My mom's had these friends, some, some other types of soulmates here, that she's gone on a trip with every year for 60 years. These girlfriends, they've been through life together. They, they used to be really in close proximity, and now they just get together every year and celebrate life. Maybe you have golfing buddies that you consider your soulmates. So you go out and you hit the ball with and you, you know, share life together. I was there uh, yesterday. I went hunting with a guy, uh, a new friend of mine, and that, that is his love language. He talked about either hunting or cooking up the game or some form of, you know, guns or ammo for, for like eight solid hours. It was just story after story after story after story. And I tried to get a word in, and then it was back to story after story after story. I realized, man, this is his soulmate language right here. This is where he loves to be. He could do this all day, every day. And he wants to move to Montana and all these different things. And, you know, as he was going on and on, I started thinking, you know, this is, I like to do this, but this is not my soul language. This is not what gets me up in the morning. This is not what inspires me. I hope that you have friends and people that you connect with, but my prayer is that you will be inspired by Christ. He's the only one that gave you your soul, and he's the only one that can fill up your soul. You know, consider these words of Jesus, because I know that this time of year that people define themselves by the relationships that they're in or the relationships that they're not in or how the relationship is going that they are in. And, you know, even at the gym, a guy's, you know, giving me his philosophy on life and he's trying to, you know, share his quote unquote faith with me about being at peace with the world, about having a relationship, making money, having sex. And and I'm just like, wow, this is really what he's all about. I hope that our lives are not just about finding a person over finding God in our lives. Consider these words of Jesus. He said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus saying, don't put your hope in relationships that end. Put your hope in me. Love me first. I'm the one that you're going to be with in heaven. There's other parts of the New Testament where he says, there's no marriage in heaven. As much as we love our spouses, as much as you may, in heaven we're only sons and daughters of Christ. There's no spouse. It's just God created us all. And you may think that's a bad thing. And I would say that that is, couldn't be further from the truth. And the only reason that we would think it's a bad thing is because we don't understand what it means to truly be filled with Christ. And we don't understand what it's going to be like on the other side that we're not going to miss that. Right. That we're going to be filled to the brim and overflowing. And he even says... You know, includes your wife in there. If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. So I pray that this time of year that you don't just think about the relationships in your life. But you think about your soul. Because this series was not talking about seven relationships to make you happier. It was seven relationships to get you to heaven. Consider you could have the most amazing marriage in the world, 
And at the end, if it doesn't lead you to heaven and Christ, then what has it accomplished? I've known people that have been married over 60 years, but without Christ, I would never trade places. 60 years versus eternity. I'm not trying to be overly religious and say not to care about relationships, don't care about your your, your, don't value your marriages or whatever, that it's only about Christ, I'm not going to say something as crazy as that. I love my wife with all my heart. We've shared life together to this point. And in that way, she is my soulmate. You know, we're celebrating her 50th birthday this week. It makes you think. It makes you think about life. It makes you think about what's most important. It makes you think about your friendships. You know, and because of Christ, we're able to be married his way. But I do want to set the record straight that if you're not married and you're putting your hope in marriage to solve all of your problems, it ain't going to work. It's not going to solve the problems, that the, the needs that weren't met when you were growing up that will never be filled by your soulmate in this life. We were at a marriage retreat on intimacy uh, Two weeks ago, and I know that those of you that didn't go to that are just wondering, like, wow, I wonder what you talk about, right, at a marriage retreat. I used to remember being in campus and like, oh, they had a marriage retreat. I wonder what what are are they talking about over there? I mean, there's probably like some secret stuff that they talk about at the marriage (laughs) retreat. Really, a lot of the stuff we talked about was if you don't get filled up by Christ, you can't have a good marriage. You won't have love to give to your spouse. Half the people there said that they were struggling in their intimate relationship anyways. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm struggling with lust and I'm going to get married and my life is going to be great. No, that's not true. The world, I think there's probably the biggest lie in the world today is that these two things will change your life. And I'll just tell you, without Christ, they'll ruin your life. And I've seen it over and over and over. And 75% of people that get married at some point or another, they end up in divorce and they tell you, man, that wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. Within marriage, you're going to find loneliness, irritation, conflict, hurts. You're going to put yourself out there and have unmet expectations. And yet, through those things, God can use that to help you love, forgive, die to yourself, overcome your character sins, and everything else that will keep you from heaven. So, even before we start, I just want to take that off the table, that if you think, thought in your mind that your soulmate was your spouse or your future spouse, and that you're going to put all of your hopes and dreams in them. I just want to say, if that's the case, then you can just stop listening from this point on. I'm just telling you, that's not the what's going to save you, and that is not the soulmate that I'm going to be talking about for the rest of the time. And I, I hope that you take that in the right way, and I hope that this scripture will fill you up wherever you're at in your relationships. You know, as I mentioned, Danielle having a big birthday this year. Chloe's away at college. And Connor recently just got into the school of his choice there at Emory. So he's going to be gone next year, too. So congratulations to him. 
I'm fired up for him, but you know, as you're fired up for your kid as a parent, you're also thinking about, wow, what are we going to do? You know, how's that going to affect us, right? I mean, you're just as excited for them. He's not thinking about us, but we're thinking, you know, my prayer is that today, as we talk about this, I know that it's going to be close to home for a lot of people. This was an extremely difficult sermon to write. Not because it was so complicated, but because it's personal. I pray that today that you will make peace with God regarding your soulmate in life. That you'll make peace with yourself of who you are and your limitations. And you'll make peace with others in your life. Maybe people that haven't been in your life in a long time. And I pray that this scripture is what can motivate you. He says, I know what it is to be in need. You could translate that today as, I know what it is to be lonely, to be alone, to be without a spouse. And even if you are married, someday you probably will be alone before you make it to heaven. I pray that Jesus comes back and just takes my whole family just all at once. But it's probably not going to happen that way. I know what it is to have plenty, to have relationships in abundance for today. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I have a ton of friends or whether I have none, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, today we're going to talk about David and Jonathan. But as we get started, just to clarify, just because you love each other doesn't mean that it, it's going to get you to heaven. Just because you have that relationship of your dream, like I said, wounds from your childhood will not be filled by a soulmate. It can only be filled by God. Amen. Your soul will be only filled by Christ. And I pray that we can take this to heart today. We're going to look at David and Jonathan. And I know that as I was doing this, it made me think about a lot of mentors that I've had in my life. People that have made the most difference. People that have brought faith into my life. Taught me the word of God. Given me inspiration when I'm down. Challenge when when I need it. You know, wisdom when I feel lost. We need people like this in our lives. People that think differently than we do. I need people with emotions in my life. Because I know myself well enough that that's pretty tough. We call it the V word in my house, vulnerability. That could be the thing that keeps me out of heaven. I think about my wife and my two kids. And many of you who have made such an impact in my life in just a few short years since being here. You know, recently, uh, many of you know Sergio Arguello. Man, we have been bonded together this year like I haven't been bonded to somebody in a long time. You know, we've become soulmates whether we liked it or not. (laughs) God put us together to figure it out and to rely on him. As we're coming to the close of this series I pray that you have time to think about your relationships. This wasn't just a cool way to fill up seven weeks. 
it was really a time for us to be challenged and for us to dig deep in our lives to figure out, what do I need? Who am I? What's going to keep me out of heaven? Who are the people that I have in my life? Who are the people that I don't have in my life? And making peace with that, with God. Not to live a life of discontentment because we don't have this person or that person in our lives. You know, we're going to talk about David and Jonathan, and I pray that as we do, that you're inspired to look for soulmates, to be a soulmate, but to help each other in, their, in your soul. I'm going to get a few uh, points out of this here. This is after uh, David meets Jonathan after beating Goliath. And up to this point, Jonathan was the king's son. He was the prince. He was the hero of the recent battle. You remember the story? You may remember the story when he took his armor bearer and says, let's go up and see if the Lord will fight for us. And they killed a bunch of Philistines, bad guys, and, and, and won an amazing victory. You know, Jonathan was a brave warrior. And yet, when Goliath came, he lost his strength. He gave in to fear. He stepped back instead of stepping forward. I mean, imagine the warrior... Goliath comes forward and everyone looks to the king and says, okay, Saul, you're going to go take him on. He says, nope, not me. Then who would you look to next? You look to Jonathan. Okay, the prince, he's going to go take care of it. Nope, me neither. And finally, David goes and takes care of Goliath with five stones and a sling, although he only needed one. He was the new hero of Israel. In verse 6 and 7, it says they even sang songs that Saul killed thousands and David tens of thousands. And Jonathan wasn't even mentioned. And here they are. They meet after this victory. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one with, in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to him, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Point number one is give your heart. Give your heart. They met for the first time. And immediately, Jonathan was bonded with David. I'm sure there was a lot of reasons for that. He probably just literally saved his life because if they lost that battle, you know who would be the second person killed would be Jonathan. So he was indebted like, you just saved my life. You saved Israel. But it was more than that. He decided to give his heart right away, even though he could have been competitive. He could have thought, this guy's trying to take my place. I pray that you decide today to give your heart. There's no specific plan on how to have a soulmate in this life. But if you don't give your heart, I can guarantee you that it won't happen. And they made a covenant with one another. It wasn't just a one-way street. It was a two-way street. He had to give his heart and it had to be returned. So I pray that even now, I don't know when the last time was that you gave your heart to someone new. 
Sometimes we've been around for a while. We have our kind of set relationships, our covenants, but maybe it's time to give your heart to someone new. But I pray that you can be willing to do that. Number two, they shared a God bond. They shared an immediate bond with one another because they were the same people. They were both brave warriors. They both inspired others. They were cut from the same cloth and spirited and passionate for God. God knows exactly what we need, and he blesses us with it. You know, you think about Jesus. He loved the whole world, but he chose ten people to be closest to him. And then he even chose three super special people to be closer than that. When he was in times of trouble, he would bring them with him. And I believe that even John the Apostle maybe was the closest. He even referred to himself as the one Jesus loved. That he felt so comfortable that he at dinner was able to lean his head back on Jesus' chest. That's pretty close. (laughs) I mean, I get uncomfortable when my own son hugs me for too long. Much less that kind of bond. And I'm not bragging about that. That's more my problem than his. But I pray, I know that God puts us together, that we share a God bond with certain people. Even though we love everyone, there's certain people that we connect with. And I pray that you connect because of Christ, as these two warriors connected. It was a miraculous gift. I don't. I don't know why you connect with certain people rather than other people. Just see it as a gift. This is a gift. I want to love everyone, but man, I need these people in my life. And so do you. They spoke and renewed a covenant to each other. They made an agreement. They said it. They put it to words. There's a lot of people that we care about, but a lot of times we don't put it to words. You think about when we get baptized, we say, Jesus is Lord. That's our covenant. That's our part of the commitment. He says he's going to be faithful and we're committing, we're pledging our heart to him. You know, for those of us who have been blessed to be married, you, we've made a commitment to one another in front of witnesses. I pray that we can not just keep our love to ourselves, but put it out there to others so that we can have a chance of having a deep, connection spiritually with people. But not only one time, Jonathan and David, they did it again and again. That he reaffirmed his oath in 1 Samuel 20, then they reaffirmed it again in 23, that it wasn't just one and done. Because as people, we're insecure. We get in arguments with each other. We wonder, you know, we used to be tight, but now, I don't know. It's been a while. We haven't hung out, and I don't know what they're thinking. You know, we need to reaffirm our love for one another. If we have issues, we've got to work them out. Don't just hide them under the carpet. Don't just move on to another relationship. Work it out. You know, just because you told someone you loved them years ago doesn't mean that they still feel it. That doesn't work too well, does it? Let's reaffirm our covenant with one another. Let's recommit ourselves to each other. And number four, 
from this same passage, give special gifts. Jonathan gave him his robe, his tunic, his coat, his sword, his bow, and his belt. He basically gave him everything that he was. He was a prince, and he was a warrior, and he basically gave that to David. I give you all that I am. Can you imagine a soldier giving his weapons to someone who's not even in the army? To a 17-year-old kid that takes care of sheep, but he gave up his position even to David, but he gave these special gifts. You know, how do you think my wife would feel if I went to Home Depot this Friday morning, picked up a dozen roses, and got one of those, just picked up a card and just put Love Scott on the bottom, and then I said, Happy 50th, honey. That probably wouldn't go over too well, would it? All right. I might not make it to 50 if I did that. But there's something about people we care about. We want to give them special things. It's not even just a worldly thing. It's just because we want to encourage them. We, we know it means a lot. We know that how much we value certain things that people have done for us. It doesn't have to even be financial, but just heartfelt. You know, to give a special gift to someone that you care about. You know, this Christmas, hopefully you can do that, but just even in friendships, to be able to do the little things that make each other feel special. They were willing to pay the price in their friendship. You know, when life got hard, they, they were willing to put their relationship on the line and even their own lives. In First Samuel 19, when Saul wanted to kill David, Jonathan stepped in. Said Saul told his son Jonathan and all his attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go and speak to my father in the field where I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let the king not do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what has he done but benefited you greatly? That he was getting a lot of pressure, he even put his own relationship with his father on the line for David. That could have meant death to him as well. You know, to be a soulmate, you've got to be willing to put yourself on the line for your friend. You know, not to pull back, even if it's hard, even if it comes at a great cost to ourselves. And that's what they were willing to do for one another. David saved his life, and in turn, Jonathan saved David's life. You know, in so many ways, we have saved each other spiritually time after time after time. When something happens to your friend, how do you respond? You know, even if it's hard, even if it's a great sacrifice when, when it's our friend, we want to be there. We don't care what it costs, just like they had. He reached, they reached out for each other, went under stress. That sometimes when we get stressed or afraid, we can pull back. 
But they reached out, even if it was tense, even if it was challenging. In 1 Samuel, verse 20, David reached out. He said, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? But David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. He has said to himself, Jonathan must know this or he must not know this or he will be grieved. It is surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only one step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Jonathan said to him, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other. In the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between me and you and between your descendants and mine forever. You know, where do you go in difficult times? I pray that we run to each other, we run to our close friends, even if it puts them out, even if, you know, not to worry if we're putting them out. Sometimes we could say, well, they're so busy, I don't want to trouble them. No, if you're in trouble, we want to be troubled. Amen. If something is going on in your life, don't, I think that's Satan's lie. Well, I don't want to borrow them. I don't want to bother them. They're so busy. Last time I saw them, they were really stressed out. I don't think they want to talk right now. That's not true. That's Satan's way of dividing us and getting us into ourselves in difficult time. I'm trying to crank through these here. Show show emotion and share affection. This was probably one of the most challenging ones for me, as I already said. It said, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. They kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. That he showed humility, respect, and affection, kissing him on the cheek, weeping together. That that was the depth of their emotions. You know, maybe that's not how you are, but that's how God is. You know, maybe that's not your strength, but that, it, that, that's their strength. That's why they were, the, they were connected, because they were similar. But I pray that just because, maybe you may be like me, where you don't want to show a lot of emotion, or you're not used to emotions, or they're kind of confusing and scary and all that. It's okay. That's okay. None of us are like Jesus in all areas. But we can grow to show our emotions more, to be more in touch so that we know what to share. To get in, you know, to pray that God will help us to grow in these ways. And you know what? He always does. And maybe you're like David and Jonathan. You know, you get together and you weep and you, you know, uh, are moved by, by your friends. And that's awesome because that's how God is for us. That's how Jesus was for us, that he wept for you and he wept for me as he did for his friend Lazarus. And finally... He helped him find strength in God. It says this is the most important thing. They help us find strength in God. When David was at Haresh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid. 
My father will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. David was on the run and out of control spiritually, and Jonathan brought him back. As it says in James, he who turns him a sinner from his sins as covers over a multitude of sins. That he brought him back. He sought him out and brought him close to God. I pray that when we see our friends in need, that we help them find strength in God. That we encourage them, that we feed them, that we love up on them, but primarily we help them find strength in God. Now, when you think about your relationships, the soulmates in your life now or the ones that were there before, I pray that you, like I said in the very beginning, that you make peace with your life. That God has put you exactly where he wants you to be. That you make peace with yourself, with your own limitations. That you make peace with those in your life. So many issues can get in the way of our soulmates, right? We can be separated by geography. They move. You can probably think about people that have moved in your life that you were once close with. Maybe you've given your heart and it wasn't returned. You put yourself out there and they want to be friends, but they don't want to be that kind of friends. They don't want to be that close. Maybe you've been hurt in the past and you're, you don't want to, you're not able to give your heart again. I pray if you're there that you'll really wrestle with that. I think that's one of the biggest things for older Christians. To be willing to give your heart fully again. And allow yourself to be hurt, possibly. Or maybe you have old friendships that you need to renew. You know, getting a call from an old friend is not a burden. If you're thinking, oh, it's been 20 years, they won't want to hear from me. No, they will. They will want to hear from you. They remember you. You know, I've talked to an elementary school friend, a college friend, different people from my life, and I'm like, wow, we're still, we can still pick up, even if we've uh, not even fallen out, but just drifted apart. I pray that today that you recommit yourself to godly relationships. That you wrestle with that because I believe that God wants to bless each and every one of us with this kind of friend, with these kinds of friends. As we take our communion, I'm reminded of Jesus who is the great overseer of our souls, the ultimate soulmate in our lives. It says, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, they, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls our ultimate soulmate in Christ.
Let's pray and we can take our communion together. Father, I thank you so much for the amazing example of David and Jonathan in the Bible. God, I pray that we can uh, commit our hearts to you. God, forgive us if we've looked to people to to fulfill us or to fill us up in places where only you want to fill us. God, help us to grow that that you are our soulmate, that you are the one that we turn to, that you are our first love. But God, I pray that we can also learn to love one another, that we can make peace with the relationships in our own lives, that we will forgive, that we won't hold past mistakes against people that are, that are holding us back as well. God, I pray that you bless everyone in here with someone that does help their soul to be closer to you, that inspires them, that meets their need, that gives them wisdom, that, that, that fires them up, that seeks them out when they're stressed or when they're they're, they're weak. God, I know that you are the great shepherd and overseer of our souls. And I pray that through you that we can be the same for one another. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Help us to honor him as we remember his body and his blood at this time. Amen.